Hello and welcome to another episode of the Overcoming Life Podcast. I'm your host, Nashawn Garrett. I know on Twitter there's been a lot of stuff about this stock, this stock information. And, um, well, it just goes to show you guys that even though everyone knows that there is corruption going on, it's it's almost better that it happened in the face of everyone so that we can at least be aware and say, hey, let's try and do something about this. For the most part, we kind of, I think we, as a people, I think we just sit latent sometimes and we just, I I think we're just so lackadaisical about like wanting to do anything because one, we don't really know what to do. And secondly, um, we need people to organize us in order to make sure that something actually gets done. But I think, uh, to me, this is being open. I think there's a lot of stuff that is being exposed right now. And even little things like this, uh, where, you know, the stock market, issue um even things like that are are being exposed where we're actually seeing that this is not a free and fair nation there is no free market that stuff doesn't that just stuff doesn't exist they're they're just lying and um this idea that common law uh that common law exists and people stand by it is completely false. And everything that we've come to essentially believe about our legal system um, is false. So um, that being said, it's, it's probably good for us to maybe get back and look at what the constitution says, because if we get away from the original purpose, meaning interpretation of the constitution then i think that we find ourselves in a very dire state and for the most part the constitution is just an old piece of paper that politicians bring up in the face of i don't know to make their speeches look and sound more elaborate because they're using the language and the writings of somebody else but uh anyways all that to say there, there's good stuff happening in the world, and the good stuff looks bad, and it's good because when bad stuff gets exposed, even though it is bad, it's good for people to see that so that they can do something about it. So we have been talking about uh, the purpose of the wilderness. In our last episode, we talked a little bit about uh, experiential knowledge. That's one of the reasons why we go into the wilderness. That's why God leads us out there is, is to teach us um, how, and train us uh, for the sake of the ministry, to minister to believers. And we are brought into the wilderness, not so much because of the corruption that's in the church, which obviously there is, but because we as individuals need training. As from an, There's a corporate level there's things that happen on a corporate level but then there are also things that happen on an individual level now this teaching and this training does not happen on a corporate level because not everybody is going to do it not everyone's going to buy in right i think god 
originally tried to train people uh, in a corporate level setting when he spoke to them, but then the people as a whole rejected his voice uh, at Mount, of Mount Sinai. So I think he calls out individuals to be representatives uh, so that they can go back in. He trains them and then they go back in. So, um, but we as individuals, we need training and we have to think, um, uh, well, generally we tend to think that God is going to lead us out of the church because the church is, oh, it's unclean, it's unholy, they're doing these types of things and we're not supposed to touch any unclean thing. Um, we think that we are to leave in order to remain untainted by the church. And there is an element of truth in that. Um, I remember there was points in times when I wouldn't go to church just because, or I wouldn't go to church because they used the name Jesus. Because I was, in some ways, I was like, how can you know his Hebrew name and not use it? And I thought that there was some value in understanding and knowing his Hebrew name, which there is, 100%. A lot of people don't know that Jesus saves. They don't know that the Hebrew name for Jesus, which is Yeshua um, or Yehoshua, and there's many, I think that's the Aramaic form, but there's Yehoshua, Yeshua, Yahshua, and uh, and Yisha, but a lot of people don't know that his name literally means salvation. It means salvation. So if you didn't know that, well, now you know. But I think it was upsetting to me at the time in my life when I was like, man, I wish somebody would have. And I think I was just more upset at the fact that no one told me what his name actually meant. So we're like sitting here saying Jesus saves, but you're really just saying salvation saves, which is like, well, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, literally what it means, right? So his name is salvation, right? Uh, and when we talk about God, I think uh, there's somewhere in Psalms and somewhere maybe in Isaiah that says that uh, God has become my salvation. And Yahuwah, like the Hebrew, Yahuwah or um, Yodhevave or Jehovah uh, has become my salvation, has become my Yeshua or Yeshua. And so with that being said, uh, there was a point in time when I didn't go to church because I was like, dude, why wouldn't they teach us this? And why wouldn't they just use his regular name? Um, thankfully, I've matured from using only uh, his Hebrew name and kind of getting too caught up in the Hebrew roots and that kind of thing. But I can understand why people would think like that 100% because I thought like that too. And so I'll never knock people for their own convictions or their own beliefs but um, I think it's I think we have to hold out everything with an open hand, right? Every belief that we have, we must hold with an open hand, no matter how true it might see, seem to us at that time. No matter how convicted we might be of something at that time, we have to hold everything out with an open hand and never defend it to the point of killing somebody uh, because we are, think we're doing the work of God. And that is a very straightforward message. You know, if you don't get anything out of this teaching other than the fact that you should hold out everything with an open hand and never allow it to let, don't allow it to, to take you to harm another person physically, spiritually, or harm uh, your relationship with other people. 
uh, because they don't agree or they don't have the same or follow the same conviction. Um, we should never, ever be a stumbling block to other people in our lives, especially believers. Um, and we're going to get into a little bit more of that as as we go on. Um, so remember, faith works through love. And we're going to be talking about love as we explain a little bit more. So if we were to be given a great revelation of truth before our faith and our conscience was strong, imagine imagine this, we would probably do more damage than good in trying to force the church to see the truth, which is exactly what we're just talking about. Um, if you get this amazing revelation about God and his truth and your faith, which means, you know, again, faith works through love, but your faith and your conscience um, are, aren't strong in, in that truth, if, uh, if that's the case, then you trying to tell that to other people, um, you trying to force other people to see what you see and know what you know the way that you know it, it, it can be very dangerous. It can be very damaging to people and relationships. Um, and we see it all the time in politics. It's the same thing with religion, but um, just more, quote unquote, religious. So let's... Um, let's we have to understand like we're gonna take a look at the the new covenant by the way uh, if you guys are listening to this message right now uh, i'm actually uh using as a guideline for this teaching a book called the purpose of the wilderness by dr stephan jones if you guys want to read this book by yourself you can just go to godskingdom.org and find this book along with um probably hundreds of other books that and commentaries that dr jones has written and he does a sweet job at bringing a lot of correction to and a lot of history and a lot of understanding to things that um, have been, well, that are just have been taught in an improper light with an improper lens. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to see the job description of the new covenant in verses 1 through 3. So 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 3 says this. Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, yet he, uh, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. So Paul here is trying to make a differentiation between knowledge and love. To have knowledge is not enough. Mere knowledge or the factual basis using your brain, that is not enough. If all that you have and all that we have is knowledge, we generally are arrogant and prideful, and people can see that. People can see that approach, and they can see the arrogance. They, they can see the pride in the way that we talk. Um, it's not that knowledge is bad. It's not that knowledge is undesirable. It's not that knowledge is, um, like, inherently evil. We know that knowledge is actually super good, right? But knowledge, having knowledge on its own, apart from love, is nothing. It is love 
not knowledge that edifies people. If you think, and I feel that so many people uh, connect love with knowledge. Oh, well, you just give them the knowledge, give them the straight fact from the Bible, and then that's love. You know, all you have to do is share with them this verse. It doesn't matter how you share with them, but if you maybe, you know, maybe they wouldn't say that, but they would say, uh, all you got to do is just share with them this verse and and do it without emotion, and then that's love. No, that's that's not love, guys. Love is not quoting a book uh, or a verse from the Bible. Love is not saying something with a straight face or without uh, without any emotion. Um, that's not love. Love edifies. Knowledge, um, not love. Knowledge does not edify. Love does. That's what the scripture says, at least. Wilderness training is not so much to train us in knowledge as much as it is to train us in the divine love of God. When people speak the truth without love, they're not only a clinging symbol, like 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, but they're actually doing damage to people's ears. It's almost like a spiritual... Think about if you just had a clanging cymbal in your, your ear just smashed as loud and as hard as it possibly could be, there would probably be some physical damage to your ear, right? In the same way, a person who speaks without love does damage in the same way to other people's ears. And I have done my fair share of damage to other people, for sure. Um, thinking that I knew more than I did or thinking that if they could just know what I know, then they would be better off. And come to find out, uh, it was just damaging to our relationship or damaging to um, the to the situation. And um, if we are to speak the truth, we must speak it in love. Love is the key. Love is the purpose. Love is the reason for existence. All things were made by and through love. God is love. And he is the creator of all things. And everything was made by uh, his heart with the intention to manifest and show forth his love uh, indefinitely. So when you and when I can, uh, when we can show love, then we show that we are ready for ministry and um, when you show love, it shows that you are beginning to understand and know the mind and the heart of God. So the fact is that we don't need to teach people facts about the Bible. We need to show them the mind of God. There are so many people who want someone to invite them to their well, brother, just come to my church, and that way you can hear, oh, my pastor is great. He, he does such a good job teaching the Bible, and he does such a good job giving facts. Anybody can give facts. Atheists can give facts about the Bible. They don't even have to be Christian. All they got to do is just pair it with somebody else said. Uh, but there is something else to be said about showing people the mind of God. How does the mind of God truly work? Not how do you think it works, not how do you interpret it to work, but what is not only rational, but what makes sense in the 
uh, in the long range. I think Jesus, I mean, God himself said, hey, let us, let come, come on, let's, let us reason together. Let's reason together about the heart and the mind of God. And I think when you start to see the heart and the mind of God on its own, apart from the traditions and the blinders that, uh, that the world so often um, kind of pushes on us, then you start to see, oh, wow, yeah, you did say that, uh, and I thought that you meant this, but that's not your heart, because why would you, why would you want that if you said this before, too? So, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, Paul continues, he says, therefore, this is verse 4, therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things are from, and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. Crazy, guys. I'm going to take a second and just, we exist for him, and we exist through Christ. However, not all men have this knowledge, but some, being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol. And their conscience, being weak, is defiled. So what is Paul saying here? Well, we have to go back to Leviticus chapter 17, verse 7. Lay ourselves a little foundation of the law to which Paul was referring to, specifically with regards to uh, food that was sacrificed to an idol. In Leviticus chapter 17, verse 7, it says, And they shall no longer sacrifice their sacrifices to the goat demons, with which they play the harlot. This shall be a permanent statue to them throughout their generations. And there is another reference to this in Numbers chapter 25, verse 2, where the people unlawfully ate of sacrifices made to the gods of Moab. So what is Paul teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4? Well, the law says, do not eat meat sacrificed to idols. But we have to under ask ourselves the question, what is an idol? There is no such thing as an idol to someone who has a strong conscience. But to someone who has a weak conscience, he can't eat the meat or the food without feeling defiled, without their conscience being defiled. And so such a person is guilty. They feel guilty about it. They feel shame. They feel um, like they feel like they're sinning and they can't eat it in good conscience. So in the same way, there is more meat than just the physical meat. Biblical teaching and anything that you hear as a word from God is spiritual meat. Remember, Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word of God is spiritual nutrition. In Hebrews chapter, I believe it's Hebrews chapter 4. It, um, maybe, is it Hebrews chapter 4? 
I don't know exactly um, which which verse it is, but I believe it's Hebrews somewhere. It talks about how um, the word of God is uh, our nourishment. We need it. Um, specifically, Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four. Maybe that's what I was referring to. But um, it's meat, guys. Oh yeah, it is Hebrews. It's Hebrews chapter six, which talks about um, the milk of the word versus the meat of the word. So any word from God is spiritual meat, and any any time you receive the word of God, it's either in uh, a milk form, which is um, a lower, um, which is like baby food, like foundational teaching stuff, and then there's meat, which is um, more advanced uh, food, more advanced teaching. Um, so the question would be. What if you go into a church and you hear preaching that offers God's words to the idols of the preacher's heart? What if you go to a church and you hear preaching that offers God's word to the idols of the preacher's heart? The traditions of men will, and they do, which go contrary to the word of God is all meat that is sacrificed to demons. Are you going to be defiled by these traditions? So I hope you guys are understanding this. So I'll try to break it down in a little more simple, simpler way. Um, so, for example, uh, if the word, if the, if you go to, I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of these before. Um, you know, a, a grace, a grace-centered gospel, or a prosperity gospel, or all grace, all law, but. Um, it's it's um, generally speaking, it's a doctrine or a teaching that really just serves the idols of the, of the person's heart. So if it's prosperity gospel, it's going to back up and defend. Well, brother, it, we are allowed to have you know jets and and planes and cars and million dollars of uh, of land and and houses and all of these things, and we are allowed to take the tithe from the people because we are doing the work of the ministry. And while these people are suffering and while these people can't pay their own uh, their own houses, while these people are, um, you know, starving or whatever, um, it's it's the word of God, which um, is offered to the heart of the one who's preaching the preacher, his heart. So whatever doctrine he's defending in his life, he's offering up the word of God as a sacrifice, the word of God, which is meat as a sacrifice to that idol in his heart. So if if you, as an overcomer, uh, were to go in there and you were to recognize, oh man, this is not good teaching, would you feel defiled by eating, that is hearing what he was saying, even though you knew it was wrong? Would you feel anger in your heart? Because I'll tell you guys straight up, I, uh, I did. I would go to churches and I would be so angry when I would watch... Uh, when I would listen to worship, when I would listen to the message, I would be so angry. I was defiled. I was defiling myself because my conscience could not do it. My conscience couldn't take it. I was weak in conscience and I was weak in faith. And so when you eat food uh, that is sacrificed to an idol within a church setting, it is hearing uh, the the word of a preacher um, the word of God coming from a preacher's mouth that is sacrificed to the idol of his heart, 
what his heart's desire is, what he is pulling out, his own interpretation, whatever doctrine he is defending. And um, we have to be able to go into that setting and say, oh, yeah, that's just, it's not an idol. There's no idols there because um, because the word of God is the word of God, right? And so when you, I think that is the point of uh, the wilderness is to learn how to not only go in there and to say, hey, uh, I love you, and to be able to hear without con- condemnation, without shame, without fear of, oh my gosh, am I defiled? But um, but that you would be able to process the things that they're hearing and meditate on it and chew it and process it spiritually. And um, can you can you stay can you remain in your seat? Can you stand to hear it and allow the word of God to 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 ruminate, not according to that idol, but just the the straight word of God? Um, that is that is what we're talking about. So, but uh, again, if you're defiled by it, then it's possible that you might need more wilderness training in order to strengthen your conscience and in order to strengthen your faith. And it's perhaps possible that you're not ready to enter back into the church because your faith is weak and you'd be defiled by all the quote-unquote false doctrine that they're teaching. And I'm telling you guys, I've, I have lived this um, for a very long period of time. I lived this. Um, and the Father still has not uh, released us back to a ministry or a church uh, so far. Um, but if he does, then we'll do what he wants us to do. Um, but And then, again, it's a testing ground not only for us, but also for... Can we share the word with truth, and can our hearts um, receive uh, the quote-unquote false teaching or whatever it is um, without being offended, right? Because um, if we have weak and defiled consciences, then we'll probably get up, walk out in a protest, and the people around us will probably not be impressed with our behavior. They'll lose respect for us, and... Because of the difference in belief, um, uh, well, it wouldn't be necessarily because of the difference in our belief. It would be really because of the attitude that we have and our intolerance towards um, what what their pastor is teaching, right? Intolerance comes from a weak conscience, and it causes men to be offended. Uh, in Psalms 119, 165, we read this, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Wow, that is a powerful, powerful verse. That is Psalms 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Man, those people... And I used to be one of these, and I I don't know I still I still have to I hope that I've I've overcome and I feel like I've come a long way, but it might be the case that I I, I might still struggle with some of this stuff. It's tough. It's it's frustrating sometimes running into people uh, and systems, and it's not people really, it's just the, the church system. People are, are are they're just indoctrinated, and um, if I am offended by their teaching, then and I lose my temper, or if I get offended or angered. Then I'll use I'll we'll lose the respect of people around us. So, um, and if you do, then it's it's really easy to regain it just by humbly asking for forgiveness. 
But most people don't really want to do this because they want to feel justified in being angry. And so this is what Paul was talking about when he was talking about a weak conscience. Uh, It's a conscience that's easily offended. And before we can be effective in our ministry to other people, including other Christians in the church, we actually have to have a stronger conscience that is not offended by food sacrificed to idols. And once you have had your wilderness training and your faith is strong and your conscience is strong, then you know what the truth is and you have been solidified in that and you know how to teach the people that truth uh, in love, then you can come back into the world and the church and listen to any Bible passage that the preacher may sacrifice to the idol of his or, uh, his or her own heart. And it won't defile you and it won't offend you. Um, in fact, you will be listening to hear the voice of God at all times, no matter what's being said. And you might even hear God speak to you some truth that you had never known. So it's us just really being open um, and not being offended by the truth that is being spoken. It's just learning to hear from God, being able to speak the truth in love and not being offended, right? Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Amen and amen. Wow, this is kind of a longer one. At least kind of getting kind of long. Sorry about that, guys, but hopefully it's good for you. Um, Blessing to you and peace from the Father. We will see you guys on our next episode.